You're listening to the Living Presence Podcast, exploring faith, meeting the world, from East Gwillimbury, Ontario. And welcome to the Living Presence podcast for Sunday, November 4th. My name is Brianne Swan, and I am the community minister with the Living Presence Ministry, a community ministry of the United Church of Canada in East Gwillimbury, which sits on the traditional territory of the Chippewa of Georgina Island First Nation. Thank you to those who sent notes about last week's episode, and specifically the school trustee election in East Gwillimbury and Stouffville as well as Elizabeth Terrell Tracy's xenophobic comments against her opponent, Lena Singh. The latest update on this front is that Elizabeth has sent a letter to the school board, to government officials and the CBC, declaring her intention of creating a totem pole for a Stouffville elementary school. Unfortunately, I doubt she checked with any local Indigenous leaders before making the statement, because totem poles are usually found on the Pacific Northwest and not near the Great Lakes. I will link to the media updates in our show notes, especially information about a local meeting where East Gwillimbury and Stouffville parents may have the opportunity to speak with Elizabeth and ask her some questions. So before sitting down to record this episode... I took a look at our download statistics to see where the Living Presence podcast is being listened to. Over the last few months, about 55% of our downloads have come from the United States, and a good chunk of those from California. Thinking of people listening to my voice in California makes me smile a little, because it's probably a lot warmer there than it is here in Ontario right now. I'm huddled up in a sweater and a hat and a scarf in my office, and maybe you're out on your deck, flowers still blooming, soaking in the sun. I'm totally not jealous at all. But 55% of you listening to this have an election coming up on November 6th. So I want to take an opportunity for some possibly pathetic begging. Please, for the love of all that is good and decent compassionate and kind. Please discern what you value in political leadership and go to the polls and vote on Tuesday. For those of you who have been listening for a while, you know, you know, I find the policies of the current American presidential office to be immoral This for me goes so far beyond political ideology and into common human decency that it feels sufficiently nonpartisan to say that there are some people who support such deeply destructive behaviors that they need to go. In looking over past episodes, it's been astonishing to see how current events coming out of Washington so easily illustrate the kind of corruption scripture names and speaks out against. So please, 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 
Please, please, please. With all the love I can muster from Canada, please go and vote. Think about your values and vote accordingly. There need to be some checks and balances to the debacle that is Washington right now. On this week's show, we'll be hearing two pieces of scripture, both of which may sound familiar if you've spent any time in church before. We'll hear in the Christian scriptures how Jesus implores those listening to love God and to love their neighbor as themselves. Then we will get in a time machine and travel back to the Hebrew scriptures and then to the story of Ruth and Naomi with the familiar promise, where you go, I will go. We will hear music from Canadian and Cree singer-songwriter Krista Couture. But first, in anticipation of perhaps some tides of people rising on Tuesday, we have our first song, Rivers Will Rise, by Canadian artist The Sun Harmonic. Hopefully after Tuesday, there will be some folks scratching their head and singing Rivers' refrain, I think they're telling us that we're not taking care enough. You can find The Sun Harmonic at www.thesunharmonic.com or, as always, by going to our show notes.
Hi, this is Brienne, and I am walking along the streets of my Queensville, which is a beautiful, diverse, and new community in the town of East Gwillimbury. And I'm reading from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34 in the cold. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he had answered them well, he asked, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. My name is Jeffrey Dale, and I am sitting here at Grace United Church in the sanctuary. And I'm about to read Ruth 1, 1 to 18. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judea went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. The name of the man was Emilich, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons were Malon and Shilon. They were Ephraelites from Bethlehem in Judea. They went into the country of Moab and remained there, but Emilich, the husband of Naomi, died and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpha, and the name of the other, Ruth. When they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Shilon also died, so that the woman was left without her sons and her husband. Then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judea. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, and you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord granted that you may find security, each of you in the house of your husband. And she kissed them, and they wept aloud. They said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you then wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. 
It has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. Then they wept aloud again. Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. She said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not press me to leave you or turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, even if death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. That was Jeffrey Dale, sounding warm and comfortable, reading from the Book of Ruth at Grace United Church in Barrie, Ontario. As I've mentioned more than a few times before, I am a mama to two very adorable little boys. Most of the time, I really like their company. But sometimes, sometimes a mama just needs to be by herself. A few years ago, when I was about 10 months pregnant with my second child, my husband came home from work and I very quickly handed him my then two-year-old so that I could have a moment, just one moment, before we all sat down for dinner together. At the time, we lived in a very tiny apartment in Toronto, so the only place one could really be alone was the bathroom. So I ran a tub, I got the Epsom salts, I sank into the water and closed my eyes. Ten minutes, just ten minutes, was all I needed. But then, the creak the sound of tiny feet, and that feeling of, if I don't see it, if I don't open my eyes, maybe this isn't happening. But of course, that tiny voice, don't worry, Mama, it's okay, I found you, as if he were doing me a great service, as if I had been lost. Where you go, I will go. Our readings today can kind of be found in the greatest hits album of scripture. If you are somebody who has spent much time in church, the story of Ruth and Naomi is likely one that is familiar to you. This particular passage is also frequently used at Christian and Jewish weddings. In fact, the words Ruth speaks to Naomi are the closest thing in the Bible to what many modern wedding vows look like. Through sickness and in health, till death do us part. There are a couple of things that are helpful to keep in mind as we wind our way through this story, which we will be exploring over the course of two weeks. The first it is likely that the intended audience would have immediately understood this story as parable and not historical. 
Each of the names here serve a narrative function, from Elimelech, which is loosely, my God is king, to Naomi, which means pleasing, and their son Malin, which is sickness, and Kilion, wasting. All the men die, and we're not told how, because it's not really important. But what we're left with is a drama initially set up as a story framed around men, quickly becoming a story set up around two women. Take notice, folks. There are only two books in the Bible named after a woman, and this is one of them. Over the centuries, this story has come to mean many different things for many different peoples. It is both one of the joys and one of the frustrations of Scripture. There is usually something that speaks to everybody in many different ways. I have heard this story used to highlight the plight of refugees attempting to find acceptance in Canada. I've heard this passage used to espouse the ideals of loyalty and duty to family still expected of women in some Christian congregations. And this passage is also emphasized within various queer Christian communities. As I mentioned earlier, this passage has been read at weddings, mostly heterosexual weddings, for ages. So I find this perspective and understanding especially delicious. It deserves some time to explore, and I promise we will be doing that next week as we move through the rest of Ruth and Naomi's story. Because our reading from today, it is only the tip of the iceberg of a much more complex story. So we have all these different angles through which to hear this parable. But the piece that has always jumped out at me is that by the end of this chapter, these two women are completely enmeshed with one another. Their destinies are tied. Where you lodge... I shall lodge. Your people shall be my people. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Another translation of what we hear as lodge is to complain or to suffer. Ruth and Naomi are not about to set out on the yellow brick road, skipping along on their way to Bethlehem. There is a reason scripture calls us to look after the widows and orphans, because these women's situation is pretty desperate. And not only are they returning to Bethlehem as widows, but now Naomi's bringing along a Moabite, a foreigner, and not just a foreigner, but an enemy foreigner, the worst of the worst. Two different books in the Hebrew scriptures speak about the dangers of taking foreign wives. This parable is speaking directly to that fear of the foreigner. It's very possible that Ruth wasn't actually doing Naomi any favors in accompanying her back to her homeland. Ruth may be committed to Naomi's well-being, but Naomi is also risking as well. She is silent, she says no more, and faithfully brings Ruth with her to her homeland. And there they are. They are enmeshed. 
the idea that our lives and our destinies are tied to others, it's pretty countercultural in the current and prevailing North American context. Individualism and self-sufficiency are highly valued. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps, right? And yet we also hear some familiar words from our buddy Jesus, who, being Jewish, would have grown up knowing the story of Ruth and Naomi. In the Gospel reading, Jesus utters the famous words, Love your neighbor as yourself. Speaking of greatest hits, but greatest hits run the risk of becoming trite and losing some of their power. I myself often run the risk of hearing, love your neighbor as yourself, as an extension of the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But I wonder if it is more than that. I wonder if it is a call not only about action, but about how we conceptualize ourselves in relation to others. Today, in this moment, I don't hear a call to love my neighbor as much as myself, but rather that my neighbor is me, and I am them, and our destinies are tied to one another. That who I am and my identity is not entirely inseparable from the conditions and circumstances and experiences of those around me. We are all enmeshed. Absolutely, it is easier to see ourselves connected and enmeshed with certain other people. For example, my life and my son's life are enmeshed by virtue of the fact that he depends on me for his physical, emotional, and spiritual safety and well-being. But as I look out into our community, especially the newly developing communities in Queensville and Sharon, I see the ways in which neighbors are pushing back, embracing this countercultural and almost subversive idea of being tied to one another. We use a WhatsApp group to communicate. And it is nothing for one member to put out a call for help at 11 p.m. because of an emergency, an emergency leak that is seeping into her electrical, and another person heading over immediately without question to help shut off the breakers. I see it in the way these neighbors have worked together in advocating for public space and safer roads. And I am hopeful, I am hopeful I will see more examples of white Canadians, of which I am one, recognizing that our spirits, and dare I say our destinies, are enmeshed with all our relations, and that when we rant and rave about burning it all down, about tearing down systems of injustice, it is not only for the other. We, and I say this we delicately, are not whole while there is suffering. It is pushing back against, if I don't see it, if I don't open my eyes, then maybe it isn't happening. So Ruth and Naomi are on a journey. And it is scary. Terrifying, really. They are tied to each other. And as much as I wanted to be alone just for that moment, I am tied to Isaiah. 
I eventually brought him in the bath with me. Sometimes you just need a mama. And all of us are tied. We are tied in the longing. We are tied in the complaining and the suffering. And as we will hear in a moment from Krista Couture, guess what? I'm glad that we're here in this dump. If together is all that we've got, it's enough for us not to give up. We will go. We will go where the shadows grow. It is not always a feel-good story, but it is still a story of hope and one that's worth owning and nurturing. Closed, closed, closed The signs on the windows, they go We're closed, closed, closed And you, young thing, you better get home And I blush Young thing these days, not so much I feel old, old, old I feel the years of the world in my bones But I'm not fussed I know what I am and I'm not I know what I can and cannot I know what I have and I want What I want, what I want Is to hold, hold, hold And not have to let go And when death comes I want to say Say that to say that you've not I think that we've both been cut on We both have, we both have But guess what? I'm glad that we're here in this dump If together is all that we've got It's enough for us not to give up Don't give up, don't give up And we'll go, go, go See us for shadows grow That was Krista Couture and her song Ozoizo from her 2016 album Long Time Leaving. You can find Krista, her music, and her writing 
at www.kristacouture, that's Krista spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-A dot com. Or you can also find her on our show notes. Our Love for the World segment is back this week, but in a slightly different format. It's a bit of an experiment, really, so let me know how it works for you. Worldinprayer.org is a collective which writes and creates a weekly prayer suitable to be used as what is often called prayers of the people or prayers of thanksgiving and intercession in many churches. It is a prayer based on current events and the places in the world especially needing God's love. Over the next few weeks, I will be taking our love for the world time directly from worldandprayer.org, hoping to spread our intentional hopes, thoughts, and prayers across the world. Creator and Redeemer. Help us to live in awe in this world, this day, and in this moment. Help us to understand with new eyes how you spoke the world into being as it unfolds, even now, in this season, as wind and water move over earth. Help us to hold sacred the lands. Are we stewards? or despoilers. Help us to understand how you restore and renew the world. Help us to see your grace at work. We read of the Kofan people of Singapore and the Amazon who are protecting more than 79,000 acres of primary rainforest in their ancestral homeland in Ecuador. They have won a landmark legal battle to defend one of its largest and most important rivers from mining claims. Be with the people and lawmakers of Sri Lanka, Germany, and Brazil as leadership is changing and uncertainty grows. And when will peace like the rains that come to Gaza in winter bring reconciliation and an end to the bloodshed and deprivation for the near two million Palestinians. We mourn for the 210 killed and more than 18,000 wounded in the past six months during the weekly Friday protests along the Israeli border. We pray for the brokering by Egypt for peace as refugees live with undrinkable tap water and only a few hours of electricity a day. Only your mercy can cause these and other injustices to fall away. In these days and weeks to come, may your truth be known and received. We watch and pray as the United States government has been ordered by the International Court of Justice in the Hague, Netherlands, to halt sanctions that it had placed on the exporting to Iran of medicine and medical devices such as incubators, food and agricultural commodities such as wheat and spare parts and equipment necessary to ensure the safety of civil aviation. Open our eyes and hearts. Help us to bend and bow to your commandment, to love you and to love one another. 
awaken us from the suffering and deep misery, the horrible loss of opioid addiction and death so prominent in both the United States and Canada. We pray that the U.S. legislation signed into law this week, known as the Support for Patients and Communities Act, will indeed work swiftly, prioritizing children, adolescents, and families as this public health crisis continues to unfold. We call on the Holy Spirit to guide our discerning as neighborhoods, towns, schools, and workplaces find new resources to turn around this epidemic. We lift the tens of thousands who have experienced loss of loved ones. Shed your mercy on the grieving families and their community in Louisville, Kentucky, as an attempted break-in at a church and murder of two people raises the alarm of violence so often fueled by hate. We weep, we grieve, we shake our heads, and we come together once again. And then again in despair, we groan and grieve as 11 worshipers at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania are murdered and six are injured. Guide us in these dark days where fear and hatred seem so common. Will this violence end? Help us to continue our resolve for peacemaking amid such hate and deadly force. In this time of mourning, may we comfort each other as you have comforted us. In the days to follow, may we commit to the words of Micah. He has showed you what is good and what does the Lord require of you. To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Help us to take these steps, no matter how hard it seems and how impossible the way. And as this day becomes night, let us remember your tender power amidst all the little things. The birds in migration. The little ones yet to be reunited with their families. The least of these, the forgotten, the unnamed, the isolated and imprisoned. Those on the road and in hiding, the many suffering, we pray for these and call to you. Hear our prayers. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with the continuation of Ruth and Naomi's story, some more music from the Sun Harmonic, and who knows what else will happen depending on the results of the U.S. election. But please, take care of yourselves, and we'll see you soon. podcast is brought to you by the Living Presence Ministry, a community ministry of the United Church of Canada. 
you can find us online at www.livingpresenceministry.org. on my chest.